Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone. We are rolling right along with episode 11 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast, and I am so glad that you're here today. Before we jump into the podcast, I wanted to share with you a new project that I'm doing on my blog, something that I am really excited about. I'm calling it the ultimate guide to homeschool methods. And in the guide, I'm talking about the different methods that people use to homeschool. We talk about unschooling, unit studies, classical education, Charlotte Mason, and school at home. Now, this series is aimed largely at new homeschool moms who might be a little bit confused about all of this jargon that they hear thrown around, but it would also be great for homeschooling moms who are maybe looking to change things up a little bit in their homeschool and they want to research a new method. So the project has a couple of different parts. The first one, which is already up, is a blog post. And in the blog post, I outline the pros and cons of each method And then I provide additional resources for you so that you can go and research the methods further on your own. The second part of the project is something I'm really excited about. I'm going to be doing a series of audio interviews with homeschooling moms who follow each method. Now, these are not going to be podcast episodes. The questions are going to be different. They are going to be about 30 minutes long. But just to let you know, they will not be coming out in the regular podcast feed. So if you're interested in finding out more about what the day-to-day of these homeschooling moms look like and why they think their method is the best one to follow, you're going to need to find those on the blog. You can do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put a link to the methods post in the show notes for this episode. So if you go to edsnapshots.com forward slash 11, you'll find a link there to the homeschooling methods post. You can go over there, have a look at the post, download the free resource guide that I have for you, and then you'll be signed up to get my email newsletter. So that way you'll be notified when these special audio recordings are released. So if you have any questions at all, you can simply email me at pam at edsnapshots.com. And I hope you enjoy this project as much as I enjoy putting it together. And now on with the podcast. In this episode, I get to speak with Trina Holden. Now, Trina blogs at trinaholden.com, and she blogs about natural living and whole foods, but she also homeschools her kids in northern Alabama, which, hey, that's my state. And it just so happens a few months ago, a friend of ours, a mutual friend, hooked the two of us up. My husband and I were going on an anniversary trip, and we just happened to be traveling through Trina's town. Well, I emailed Trina and let her know, and she said, you have to stop for dinner. No, we couldn't stop for dinner. That didn't fit into our schedule, but we did stop. We stopped for about an hour and sat on Trina's back porch and chatted about blogging and homeschooling, and our husbands just kind of looked on bemused at this instant friendship that had sprung up between the two of us. Well, that's just the kind of person that Trina is. So sit back, grab something cold to drink, and I think you're really going to like this episode of the podcast. Trina Holden is a second-generation homeschool mom of four, soon-to-be-five, kids. She and her husband, Jeremy, who was also homeschooled, are entrepreneurs, each running their own web business while they homeschool their kids in central Alabama. 
The author of Your Real Food Journey, Trina writes about real food and a natural lifestyle on her website at trinaholden.com. Hi, Trina, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Pam. It's so good to be here. I'm glad to have you. Could you tell us a little bit about your family? Sure. Uh, Like you said, my husband and I were both homeschooled, and we're now in our early 30s, and we have four children. The eldest is eight-year-old son, six-year-old daughter, four-year-old son, one-year-old daughter, and like you said, one on the way in July. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, we're in the middle of that season that I look forward to for a long time of getting to homeschool my own kids because I really, really enjoy being homeschooled. So we're in the thick of it now. So, you know, normally this is the point where I ask everybody, how did they start homeschooling? But I guess the real question for you would be, was there ever any question that you were not going to (laughs) homeschool? There wasn't. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. But it's not quite as much of an advantage as some people think because you still end up even even though that was a given for both me and my husband, that's something I'm very grateful for. And I don't take it for granted. It is only one step on the journey because then after that, you have to figure out how are you going to homeschool if you are going to homeschool. (laughs) And it still helps to have other than the fact that my mommy did it, you still need your own reasons. So I did go through a period when my eldest was, you know, preschool age where I I went back and I said, why am I going to do this? It needs to be for more than the reason that this is what feels the most familiar or this is what I get so excited about. And so I did go through a season when I went back and I read all the books that my mother read back when she started homeschooling. And I explored a lot and I talked to a lot of people until I had my own why and it was personal. Yeah, you know, I think that is an excellent point because I think if you tried to homeschool without your own why, if you tried to homeschool only because of the reason that that was all you knew or that was, you know, because that was what your family did, that you would yeah. probably very quickly come up against a wall because I think yeah. it's yeah. Our, our why that pulls us through the really hard times. Absolutely. Yep. When you, you know, when your child has, say, a learning difficulty or even just a delay, you have to go back to saying, I still think this is the best environment for him. Or, you know, when, all of a sudden, it's really, really difficult to fit in what you felt needed to happen in your home school. You have to go back to why am I doing this in the first place, which, you know, that gives you freedom again to embrace it despite the challenges. Right. Well, tell me a little bit about how kind of your homeschooling story as far as your own homeschooling. Sure. Well, my parents started homeschooling in the 80s. When my eldest brother was ready to go into first grade, they heard radio interview on Focus on the Family with um, Dr. Raymond Moore and his wife, Dorothy. And it just clicked with them that home was going to be the best environment, at least for the beginning with their son. And I was the second to come along. And I think by the time I, I was ready for school, they had, you know, they had done a lot of the groundwork and this was something they were going to do. Back then, it almost didn't even have the term homeschool. They, my parents were part of the movement to make it legal in Florida that, you know, they were the legislation, everything else. And so they, they got a very solid why and they had to work very hard to follow through on it. And that was the foundation of our homeschool was they broke the ground. And I'm very, very grateful for the work that they did and that they kept their why and they stayed focused on that because, you know, grandparents, relatives, friends were all very skeptical. I mean, now right. it's homeschooling is more mainstream. And back then it was very, very different. It wasn't even called homeschooling back in the 80s. So that's what started it. So I have never been to school. I was one of those children that always wanted to know what it felt like to ride a school bus because mm-hmm. I have never, <laughs> I've never done it. And I can remember the day that I learned to read. School all along was just this joyous discovery. 
I don't remember very much tedium. I don't remember. I remember that even though we had structure and we had, we had books and we had stuff, my mom was able to focus on our interests and she exuded enthusiasm on about what we were doing, whatever it was. And that was catching us. One of the biggest lessons that I learned from her is that enthusiasm is contagious. And Mm -hmm. so learning was just this exciting adventure that we went on together with our mom and our siblings. And that was the early part of my, up until 12 years old, who knows what grade I was in. Homeschoolers don't know what grade they're in, right? (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) I'm always so confused when people show up, throw out grades. I'm like, tell me how old you are. So when I was 12, so up until I was 12, homeschooling was very structured. You know, we had a schedule every day and we worked through our curriculum and, you know, we checked off the boxes and everything and we made steady progress and we did our yearly SATs and we always, you know, scored in the college level for reading comprehension and everything else because we loved what we were learning and we were comprehending well. Mm -hmm. And then my parents made a huge life change and it did affect schooling and on the surface, perhaps in a negative way. But now that I have, you know, 15, 20 years hindsight on it, it's actually probably the best thing that ever happened in my education. We moved to a primitive homestead. We had no electricity, no running water. Gradually, we added a few of those things in, but they were still, we were still off grid. So we had, you know, battery operated lights and we could turn on a generator that could pump water. But for the first couple of years, every bit of water that we or the animals drank was hand pumped and it was very little house in the prairie ish. Mm. And life was so much about survival. I mean, just making a pot of coffee was not a matter of pressing a button. It was a matter of cutting down a tree, you know, sawing the tree apart and chopping the tree into chunks and hauling them to the house and putting it in the fire and starting the stove and pumping the water. And so just the teacher's cup of coffee took the half the morning, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so um, learning had to happen in and around all of these new skills that we were learning. So the book work became secondary to just real life experience. And, and like I said, that, that's probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I thankfully had a solid base of, you know, grammar and math and reading and writing by the age of 12. I'd been given a good foundation. But after that, school was very much the school of life. I continued to pursue the basics until I was 18 and I took my GED and got, you know, passed with flying colors. So I did technically finish, but academics were still lower on the priority than helping with the family business, customer relations, learning to grow and manage an entire organic garden. I was the family gardener at 15. I had my own business selling dry floral arrangements and I was learning wholesaling and retail and I did everything from starting the seeds in the greenhouse to selling the final product in various directions. So I guess you could say we were unschooling a lot of that time because there was many, many days where things took priority over that math problem set. So that was my homeschooling experience. Right. But, you know, even though you weren't working the math problem set, I bet there wasn't a day that went by that you weren't doing quite a bit of math. Absolutely. In fact, I really enjoy the fact that (laughs) I never made it into higher math, but that I use every bit of math that I learned. Because even as I also got into sewing and very strong into seamstress and designing my own patterns, and I use pi when I'm designing my own pattern, I'll just say that, (laughs) you know, so I do use I do use some algebra when I am when I'm designing a costume. So I used every bit of learning that I that I got. You know, I didn't go higher, but I've gotten everything I needed to really to do what we do now. 
to excel in the places that I have been. So, all right. Well, what a unique experience, most definitely. Well, your homeschool days are they most like which literary classic? Would that be A, The Odyssey, B, Little Women, C, Swiss Family Robinson, or D, Lord of the Flies? <laughs> oh, I'd love to be more exotic, but I tend toward the Little Women. I tend toward the cozy on the couch kind of thing because I've done the Swiss Family Robinson and yes. I don't have the energy for that right now. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> there, there are odd days in which we get our Swiss Family Robinson on because mommy does know how to do that. But right now with number five on the way, mommy likes to sit on the couch and read books together. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I could definitely understand. Well, you know, you have such a unique perspective having been homeschooled yourself. And kind of seeing this journey from both sides, but it's 2 a.m. and you're lying in bed awake. What is it that's keeping you up? Oh, yeah. It, <laughs> I can totally tell you what's keeping me up. No, I don't let it actually keep me awake. But if I'm during my waking hours, what I'm worrying about, the same things everybody else worries about are, you know, are we covering the subjects that are the most crucial as effectively as we could be? What if somebody finds out that we're not? <laughs> as far along in this subject as, you know, so-and-so says we should be. And I try to combat that with the confidence that I really feel like I'm giving my kids a personalized education. And this is the area their mind is developing in right now. So that's what we're focusing on. And we'll focus on that in a little while. But I still have those worries of how do we match up to the system? Right. Um, <laughs> Even sure having never been in the system yourself, you still have the worries of how do I match up to the system? Yeah. And doesn't that just tell us something about we should just totally toss those thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I, I really thought, yeah, you know, I have those problems. But, you know, I was in the system for 13 years and then taught in the system. And so that's that's what I thought the problem was. But apparently the system gets you even if you've never been in it. It does. And that's why, you know, you have to go back to why are we doing this? Not so we can create a child that matches the system. Right. Or an experience that matches the system. Well, are you a planner or do you fly by the seat of your pants? Oh, I am this weird combination. Like, I think that my best self is someone who has every moment of my day planned out. But I'm happiest when I realize that I've been winging it for several hours, if not several days. <laughs> so <laughs> lately, I have what's working for me right now, the hybrid that's working for me is to have our mornings very well scheduled so that I feel like we cover bases Mm -hmm. And my afternoons, I can be spontaneous. Oh, so our mornings, yeah, our mornings are minute by minute scheduled and our afternoons look different every day. That's a great combination. So yeah, it, yeah. it's working right now. Well, name one thing that you've learned while homeschooling that you and homeschooling your own kids that you didn't know before. <laughs> this is hysterical because I felt like I had such a thorough education I felt like I knew what I needed to know and I didn't like I knew there were gaps, mm -hmm. but I, they never seemed to trip me up that bad. And I am only teaching, you know, like second grade ish and first grade ish and kindergarten ish. And we've already gotten into so many facts and details that even if I did learn them, I didn't retain them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my kids know as much as I do on some of these subjects, uh, geography being one of them. I was never strong in geography. I don't remember how much we focused on it. I just know that it didn't ever really stick. And we have found something that really helps the kids enjoy and retain 
their geography facts. And I'm like, I have a better idea of geography in my 33rd year than I had the rest of my life. And Mm -hmm. it's so exciting that I get to keep on learning. Like, I don't let that make me feel weird. I'm like, this is so much fun. We never have to stop. Yeah. Because I learned to love learning. And so I don't ever want that journey to end. I think that's one of my absolute favorite things about homeschooling is that I can just be geeky, nerdy, excited about learning all the time and, you know, write it off as being a good example for my kids. But secretly, I'm just excited about getting to learn all this stuff. Yeah, I know. I'm like, come on, kids, let's do school because I know that there's uncharted ground and undiscovered things that I'll get to uncover even as we go along. Right, right. Well, you were telling me that you had read all of the homeschool books that your mom read. So what is the one homeschool book that has most influenced you? I would have to say the same one that influenced my mother. It's given me so much confidence and freedom. And that would be Dr. Raymond Moore and his wife's book, Better Late Than Early. Mm-hmm. Their research into the way children rate, learn and the rate at which they learn and the ages at which their bodies, their physical, their eyes and their ears mature just showed me how much pushing academics too early can actually do more harm than good. And that just set me free to be more in tune to my child and watch for their timetable rather than saying, okay, this is the time I'm going to put you on. And it was so important, especially because my eight-year-old was a, you know, quote unquote, late reader. Mm-hmm. He's only just now got his reading wheels on. And my six-year-old practically taught herself. And if I had been trying to put either of them on a schedule, they and I would have both had complexes. <laughs> so <laughs> really, really grateful for that. And it gives us a lot more freedom and joy in the preschool years. And I don't put a lot of burden on my children to learn before they're ready. And then when they're ready, they love it rather than being burnt out by the age of seven or something. Right. But even though, you know, you felt like this was a very influential book and you subscribe to the things that are in there, you are still doing something with your eight, seven, six-year-old. Yes, I am. Mostly, I'm just reading aloud. I mean, Mm. they say that's one of the best ways for kids to learn anyway. And that's what helped guide my curriculum choices. You know, we we use a literature-based curriculum and, you know, it has stuff that they could have read aloud if they could read, but they couldn't read yet. So, I mean, up until this is the year that we've kind of turned the corner. This is the first year they're actually capable of independent work because this is the first year they can actually read the worksheet. Mm-hmm. So everything they've learned up to this point has just been from me giving it to them in conversation, in reading aloud, in listening and conversing with mom, which is such a great way to learn anyway. Right. Well, fill in the blank for me. If my grown child blank... I will have succeeded as a homeschooling mom. Mm, I love this question. I I love hearing this on your podcast. And I was hoping you would ask me this. (laughs) For me, I feel like if my child loves to learn and has an appetite to continue learning, that is my number one goal and how I know I will have succeeded. Because the reality is we have to keep on learning our whole life. It's those who consider, you know, 18 or high school graduation say, okay, now, Now I've got enough to go. They're the ones that are not going to go anywhere. And in this day and age, and especially as an entrepreneur, and I hope to mentor my children to be their own entrepreneurs, we have to keep on learning every day. I mean, I attended a webinar this morning. I'm always, always reading five to 10 books at one time (laughs) on every subject. And it's because my mother imparted to me a love for learning. 
she made the learning environment, the learning goals, she made it all exciting, enthusiastic, and for the most part, joy-filled. She made it an adventure, and that's what I want to do for my kids so that when they get to the end of the time in which I'm supposed to invest in them the most, they will turn around and say, well, mom might be done teaching me, but I know I can find other people and I can find other books, and I want them to be lifelong learners. Right. Well, what's your favorite family read aloud ever? Ooh. Well, we haven't gotten to this one yet because my children aren't quite old enough, but I love the Man of the Family series by Ralph Mm. Moody. My dad read that aloud to my family. I'm one of seven children, and I was probably in my late teens, and he read it aloud to the whole family, and I think there are six or seven books, and he read the whole thing. It was like epic, and it was just one of my favorite memories and such such great stories, such great writing. The, the Man of the Family series. Man of the Family. I can't. Now, Ralph Moody. I can't wait to read it to my kids. Did he write Little so. Britches? Yes. Yes. That's, yeah, that's the, that's the title of him. That's the first one. Yep. Okay. Little Britches. Awesome. Yes, we have actually listened to that one on audiobook. And you're right. It was really good. So great. Well, you know, you and I got to meet last November. And it was so much fun because you were so excited at the time because you had just discovered the Charlotte Mason method of homeschooling. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which I just thought was so incredibly fun. So what is it about the Charlotte Mason method that resonates so much with you? And are you still exploring that a few months later? I am. I am still, I'm still exploring it. What was exciting to me was I knew that my mother had been very influenced by Charlotte Mason. I just hadn't dug into her myself yet. And as I started to read more on Charlotte Mason's philosophies and teaching style, I realized that it was the essence and the best of what I remembered from my own homeschool experience. I realized that I had received the Charlotte Mason education in the best sense of the word. I mean, my mom was complete groupie. <laughs> and so, so I was like, oh, here I have the actual manual to in turn turn around and give my kids the same thing. You know, that emphasis on good books and on, you know, discussing what, discussing what you learn, which she calls narration and nature study. Oh, my mom was huge on nature study. We did the whole, you know, the sketchbooks and the nature walks. And that was such a huge part of the way I grew up that even before I started reading up on Charlotte Mason myself, I was taking my kids on nature walks. And reading more on Charlotte Mason has just continued to reinforce my vision to create just a a warm environment for learning and to have the freedom to do that in a way that I feel is best for my children. Again, not just following today's systems and schedules and check boxes, but to really tune into my child and go about it in a natural, organic way. Well, I love that, that, you know, you realized that was the essence of everything that was best about your homeschooling. So that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, another thing that struck me about you and your husband was kind of your willingness to ignore the conventional work path in order to work and make a living from things that you're passionate about. And you both, you know, you do this through your website about real food and kind of a healthy lifestyle. And then Jeremy's doing it with his web design business. So how much mm-hmm. do you think your homeschooling backgrounds influenced that, that ability to kind of, you know, let go of that conventional work path? And then how will you encourage your kids? I mean, will you encourage them to do something like that? Yeah, well, I think it was huge. Because by the time we got old enough to enter the workforce, we already had so much life experience because of being homeschooled, because we weren't tied down to a desk for the traditional allotment of time for both Jeremy and I, our teens were spent 
in apprenticeships, whether they were formal or informal. Mine was rather formal. Every Wednesday, I went and worked for a couple that you know had an organic garden and their entire business was flowers and arranging and growing. And so I, you know, I had the freedom at the age of 14 to go and apprentice with a business and learn every aspect of that business. And my husband was able to work with his grandfather and he learned woodworking. And he also, his father ran the um, homeschool convention for upstate New York for 15 years. And Jeremy was his right-hand man and learned his graphic design, designing the brochure for the convention every year. And so being homeschooled gave us the time to embrace old-fashioned mentorship. Um, again, a lot of it was informal, didn't have those names. It wasn't like, oh, you are my mentor. Mm-hmm. We had the time to live life along other adults. We didn't spend as much time in our peer group. We spent it with a variety, whether it was grandparents or adopted grandparents for me, because my grandparents all lived across the country. I had an older woman who taught me everything that I know about spinning and weaving. I think when you were here, you saw the balloon that was on the porch. Yeah. Everything I know about spinning and weaving was from this older woman who invested in me because I had the time to go on field trips with her and I had the time to go over to her house and learn how to dye and use the different chemicals and herbs to dye wool in a variety of colors. This is all stuff that happened because we had more freedom in our schedule. Right. And we weren't just stuck in our age range and in, you know, pursuing education in a way that took a lot of time and didn't leave us time to learn in other ways. Right. And then it's a goal. So will I do that for my children? Absolutely. I will probably follow, you know, a bit of the timeline that I experienced in my own life where I hope to give them most of their basics by the time they're in their early teens so that their teens can actually be spent in apprenticeship style learning because I want them to be equipped for life. I want them to have the knowledge, but I also want them to have a lot of hands-on learning. So Awesome. Well, I have a little pop quiz for you. I've I've never done many of those, Pam. (laughs) (laughs) Totally out of your element here. Sorry. (laughs) It's easy. I promise. Just just pick an answer. All right. Coffee or tea? Neither. Mm. (laughs) No, I'll do tea, but it has to be caffeine free. I kind of figured that one was coming. Yeah. A little bit country (laughs) or a little bit rock and roll? Oh, neither. (laughs) (laughs) This is what comes to being totally... Totally non-mainstream. We listened to classical music growing up, Pam. And that's my first love. <laughs> she refuses to answer any of my questions. <laughs> Well-trained mine or Unschoolers Anonymous? Uh, probably Unschoolers Anonymous. Early bird or night owl? Early bird all the way. Craft or read aloud? Oh, both. <laughs> But see, and, at the same time, <laughs> in your case, it would be handicraft. You would be like weaving a rug for your bathroom floor as opposed to, you know, using the toilet paper rolls and glitter. So <laughs> we do both. I really, really love hands on crafts and I really like reading aloud. If all of school could just be those two things, well, okay, all of school is those two things right now. <laughs> <laughs> lap book or workbook? Mm, lap book. Co op or stay home? In this season, stay home. But as an extrovert myself and with my older son showing very strong bent in that direction, I can see co-op being in our future. But right now it's stay home because I've got my hands full and I'm trying to homeschool. (laughs) I can't get myself out the door. (laughs) I understand. Bed made or unmade? Unmade. (laughs) All the time. Bookmark or dog ear? You really wanted to know that? (laughs) I ask. Bookmark or dog ear? 
dog ear. You can never find a bookmark. Sonnet or haiku? Haiku. I love haiku. Mm. Trina, where can people find you online? They can find me at trinaholden.com. And I'm also Trina Holden on Instagram. And that's my main online party. I, I'm there on Facebook, but it's only to direct you to my blog. And I'm there on Twitter. But basically, trinaholden.com is the place. Is the place to find you. And then your fun Instagram feed as well. Sure. Yep. 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 That's where I like to party on. Well, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Well, this was totally a blast, Pam. Appreciate talking to you. And I love your podcast. Thanks. Well, it's so sad when we have to say goodbye, but I hope you had as much fun listening to Trina and I chat as we had chatting with each other. For links to everything Trina and I talked about in today's show, you can go to edsnapshots.com forward slash 11 for the show notes. And hey, thanks to everyone who has left a rating or review for the podcast in iTunes. If you would like to do that, it only takes a minute and it encourages iTunes to share the podcast with even more people. If you go to homeschoolsnapshotspodcast.com, there's a place where I walk you through how to do that. And thanks so much for helping me spread the word. So thanks for listening today. Don't forget, you can come by the website to catch up on old episodes that you may have missed. And you can find out how to subscribe via email or in iTunes so that you don't miss any episodes in the future. Until then, keep on homeschooling.